As WrestleMania season heats up, so does Not Sam Wrestling. So much to talk about this week with Baron Corbin being named Kurt Angle's opponent and Kofi Kingston doing what Kofi Kingston did and what Kofi Kingston does. Wade Keller is my guest this week on Not Sam Wrestling. We'll get into all of that with him. WrestleMania around the corner and so much more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh man. Hey guys. How fun is wrestling right now, huh? Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. I cannot believe this show drops on Thursdays. If you're listening to this show the day it comes out, two weeks from tomorrow, Takeover New York. Two weeks from Sunday is WrestleMania 35. It's right around the corner. We're basically there already. It's so very exciting, and we've got a lot to talk about. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. You know, a lot of people have been asking me about a live show. You know, we're only two weeks out. I'm not going to be, as of right now, hosting a live show myself uh, uh, this, uh, this WrestleMania trip. There's so much going on in New York, dude. I know we're going to have a bunch of people uh, popping up to SiriusXM doing Jim Norton and Sam Roberts. I'm sure I'll end up doing uh, podcasts and whatnot. But in terms of live events, just did one with the Major Brothers. Very, very successful. You can go and watch that. Uh, if you're a subscriber on Patreon, you can see the video. That'll be up on the YouTube page soon. You can also listen to it, of course. It was up uh, a few weeks ago here on Not Sam Wrestling. Maven popped in, Hornswoggle popped in. It was great. But with so much going on in New York City, and I'm going to have a pretty busy weekend with my WWE commitments, I decided to focus on what I had to focus on and allow you to focus on everything else. Maybe next week here on the podcast, we'll do a roundup of everything that is happening in New York WrestleMania weekend. Because not only are you talking about, I mean, just from WWE, You've got access that is going from, I think, Thursday to Monday. They're carrying it through Monday. You've got Hall of Fame, uh, I'm sorry, uh, NXT TakeOver New York on Friday. Hall of Fame on Saturday. WrestleMania on Sunday. Raw on Monday. SmackDown on Tuesday. You've got Ring of Honor and New Japan at Madison Square Garden. You've got independent shows going on everywhere. I know Pat Buck and WrestlePro are running shows at the Rawway Rec Center all weekend in Rawway, New Jersey. You've got, uh, of course, WrestleCon happening with, with, with different shows and matches. I don't have them in front of me right now. Joey Janela has two shows happening. I know Game Changer Wrestling is doing a ton of stuff. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, so if you're coming to New York, there'll be plenty of stuff to do, and maybe we will do next week uh, sort of WrestleMania weekend roundup, if that's something that you guys uh, want to hear about, and I'll give you some of my recommendations of what to do while you're in New York. Of course, uh, if you're going to be anywhere near, you rent a car if you're going to be here. Head over to Queens. Go to the Wrestling Universe. That's where, you know, they got a ton of figures over there. Um, so much to do. It's going to be great. Maybe I'll even do a bonus show on Patreon of just like the Diary of the Weekend or something. I don't know. There's just a lot of content to be had, and it's happening uh, all weekend. Here in New York City, uh, this week Wade Keller. We're doing. We're switching it up this week on Not Sam Wrestling uh, because you know I just like 
Wade Keller is my guest this week of the PW Torch, and I just like talking about wrestling with him so much that we end up covering a lot of current events. So this week we're combining the interview and the state of wrestling into one monster segment with the great Wade Keller, and we'll cover uh, everything leading up to WrestleMania as well as uh, what's going on in NXT and the idea of main roster call-ups heading down to NXT. Of course, you can watch, actually, this entire podcast on video, and you can do that exclusively on Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Sign up today. What you get is immediately you'll be able to get the podcast early and ad-free every single week. As soon as I'm done recording it on Wednesday, it goes up on the Patreon page. You'll get it at least 12 hours early, uh, or so, I think. Um, but you'll get it the night before it comes out. You won't have to wait till Thursday morning anymore. And always ad-free. Uh, you'll get uh, exclusive access to video. Every video that we do, every interview that we do on the podcast gets videoed, and they all go up first thing, immediately. People go, why did it take so long to get to YouTube? Because everybody on Patreon is enjoying it first. So uh, you can get the video there. There's a, The State of Wrestling gets videoed in its entirety and posted exclusively on Patreon and broadcast live on Patreon as well every single week. We do bonus shows called Captive Audience, which I think I owe you a new one of, uh, where I sit down with somebody who really doesn't watch wrestling, and we watch something on the WWE Network and in real time provide commentary where I try to explain what's going on and why we like it. That's available exclusively at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Plus exclusive merch. Chalkline has designed an amazing Not Sam jacket that you can only get by being a Patreon supporter. So uh, if that's anything you're interested in, or if you just want to support the podcast, it's the best way you can possibly support Not Sam Wrestling and keep it free for everybody. Uh, the best way you can keep Not Sam Wrestling free is by paying for it over at patreon.com slash Wrestling, and it really, really helps. I love doing stuff for you guys over there. Um, and keep active, man. One of the great things about the Patreon page is the uh, uh, Discord room. And I keep reading, you know, the Discord room is active all the time. As soon as you sign up on Patreon, make sure you're on that Discord room. Um, and and not only is are there chats going on in real time while wrestling shows are happening, but throughout the day, every time news breaks, every time somebody posts something interesting on Twitter, and people just talking about their lives. The Discord room, it's, uh, it's amazing, it's lively, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, and if there's anything you guys ever want to see on the Patreon page, or anytime you guys think, like, uh, there should be a little more, hit me up, shout me out, and I'll do it for you guys, okay? It's a lot of fun over there. Join us, patreon.com slash wrestling. Okay, let's get into it. It's WrestleMania season. There's a lot to break down from Kofi Kingston to Baron Corbin, uh, figuring out what Roman... I mean, let's talk about the card a little bit this year already. It looks like WrestleMania... I mean, we know we're going to have Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. We're going to have uh, Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte versus Becky Lynch. We're going to have Triple H versus Batista. We're going to have The Miz versus Shane McMahon. We're going to have AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. We're going to... Uh, have Daniel Bryan maybe versus Kofi Kingston. Looks like we're going to have Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Who knows what's going to happen with the Intercontinental Championship and Bobby Lashley. Does Finn Balor get another opportunity? You know, Asuka, we find out who her opponent's going to be, I believe, next week on SmackDown. Uh, Samoa Joe is defending the U.S. title against Rey Mysterio. And who Rey Mysterio, I can't wait to see what he's wearing, what his outfit, what his gear is going to look like for WrestleMania. So much going on this year for WrestleMania. I can't wait to see it, uh, but let's hit it up. Wade Keller helps me break it all down this week here on Not Sam Wrestling. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. 
Well, back on the podcast, somebody that's been on many, many times before, a favorite of mine and a favorite of all of yours, I'm sure, from PW Torch, ladies and gentlemen, Wade Keller is back. Wade, what's the haps? It's great to be back, Sam. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? Uh, real good. It's the first day of spring as we're recording this. Oh. Snow. I, I can look outside and see something other than white out my office window now. Things are melting. Yeah, I guess in your part of the uh, world, it was a little bit rougher. Here in New York... I mean, we might have had two big snows all winter. It was really pretty mild, but I'm assuming... I remember talking to you throughout the season up there, and there was, I feel like, multiple instances of you being completely snowed in. Oh, yeah, and I love it. I mean, I work out of my home office, and I have a nine-year-old who loves to... and a dog who loves to run out in the snow and throw snowballs and build snow forts. So I, I just look at everybody around me complaining and just roll my eyes. I loved it. This was a great winter. Plus, dogs and children tend to get way more exhausted way quicker in the snow... <laughs> So yeah, it makes everybody's yeah. life easier, doesn't it? it? My son won't even wear a hat when it's zero degrees because it's it's too warm out. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're the top. I'm not kidding either. It's I yell at him about it. <laughs> well, you know, it is it is this very magical time of the year. Spring is starting to set in, but also for folks like you and I, uh, yeah. it's WrestleMania season, of course. A- absolutely, yes. And I mean, you know, and we've we've spoken very a, a tiny little bit uh, offline about this. I think a couple weeks ago we exchanged messages, but I mean, I feel like the build to this year's WrestleMania has been better for sure, but but different than many, many years past. I feel like the the focus on regular WWE fans and putting on a super show that WWE fans will enjoy as opposed to just concentrating on the mainstream non-WWE fan is different this year. There's, I feel like there's a, a much greater emphasis on putting together a show that while it does appeal to the mainstream is the, the, the sort of climax of a lot of stories that WWE fans are excited to see. Yeah, I was just writing about it in the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter last night and the cover story, kind of looking at where things are going. And it's it's been an up and down road for me from the perspective of it being for WWE fans in terms of the hype and how it's falling into place. You know, we had kind of the pushback against Kurt Angle's announcement, which we'll talk about. We have the teasing of the Kofi Kingston situation. Um, but it does seem as if, you know, we have this Braun Strowman SNL thing. and <laughs> And some people are... Not, not happy with that. And, and I get it. I mean, six months ago, we imagined Braun would be, you know, a top three or top five priority for Vince McMahon in a big singles match. And it didn't work out that way. I, I get doing that. I mean, I think it makes sense for WWE uh, to, to do to break outside of the of the bubble of those who watch Raw on SmackDown or watch WWE Network or YouTube videos. But the card itself on paper looks like it's going to be a lot of good matches. Um, you know, even Samoa Joe Rey Mysterio, if people are disappointed that it's not Cena or not somebody else, it's just somebody he's already wrestled, that should be a good match. So it does seem like it'll be long, but also a pleasing show for WWE fans that isn't looking to the outside to try to justify the WrestleMania name, but rather culminating. And this has been the case in the 90s a lot too. I mean, it wasn't yeah. always everything built around celebrities. So yeah, I mean... the I don't know if it's by choice, if it's strategic, or it's sort of like they looked around. They're like, I think our best option is just let's cater to our fans and give them a, a show that they want. 
maybe it's lack of other options and they're making the best of it, or maybe it's an overt strategy. Well, you know, and it's interesting about Braun Strowman because there is something about it. Like, it, it feels like Braun, over the past two years, I would say, multiple times throughout the year, it has seemed like, okay, he's going to be the person. And then for some reason, you get to WrestleMania and you see it justifiably so. It's not quite time yet. It's, it's, it's a moment to put him in a situation where he's going to do something that appeals to fans and is going to make him appealing, but certainly nowhere near, you know, a main event. Here is his coming-of-age moment. You know, last year it was winning the tag team titles with Baby Nicholas, and this year, while he's in the Andre Battle Royal, it seems like the real highlight for him is going to be, I guess, getting revenge against Colin Jost. Is that the best role for Braun? I mean, is that his natural fit? Are we, is anyone who looks at him, because when Roman Reigns made his announcement in October that he was taking an indefinite leave, the idea was, well, okay, we got Seth and Braun. Who's going to fill Roman's right. shoes as kind of the lead babyface? But is this the natural role for Braun more, I don't, is there even a, a perfect comparison? I mean, at times Kane has been a babyface, uh, special attraction, I guess, Um I, I'm trying to think, like, in the whole span of WWE history, who most closely fits Braun, a credible babyface monster who you can't really put in main events as a traditional competitive wrestler. You have to use him in a in a, a special attraction way that's a little outside the box, but very much inside the realm of what Vince McMahon likes to have as part of his show. Yeah, I think special attraction is the, the key phrase there because – and that's something that people have brought up before, certainly. And when you look at Braun Strowman, he looks like an attraction. He looks like somebody that should be used almost the way Andre the Giant was used in the 80s. Before, I, and I'm talking, you know, the early to mid-80s, not the late 80s, when Andre the Giant was, you know, this good guy and he was undefeated and he would win battle royals and he would, he would be unbeatable but would simply not be in the conversation for the championship match because you couldn't tell your championship stories with him. And I think that I think that right around Crown Jewel of last year, there was this thought that, you know what? I don't know if Roman Reigns is ever going to get over with the fans. This is even before Roman was gone. It felt to me like WWE was, was going with this idea that there is this possibility that Roman Reigns is not going to be the hero that we want him to be. And you know what? Kids love Braun Strowman. Adults get a kick out of seeing Braun Strowman do these feats of 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 extra of, of extraordinary strength, uh, and maybe Braun Strowman is this guy that is going to be our number one guy. And I think there was a moment where you know they were testing the waters with that. Um, but I think that I think that it feels like WWE has has looked at what they really have, right, and and has kind of settled on this idea that Braun Strowman will be a top tier attraction and I, I think that 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 might be long-term best bet for Braun Strowman I don't think that you know becoming a heel at the end of the summer and into the fall uh did anything for him you know I don't think that that uh, I, I I feel like people were kind of like meh it was a very meh time for Braun and yes. I think kind of slowed down uh the trajectory that he was on uh I think it's a I think it's important they decide who he is and yeah. they don't bounce back and forth either. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I do think that Braun, and this goes to the point of last year and this year's WrestleMania, look, 
everybody's still talking about Braun Strowman winning the tag title with a kid last year. I don't think that was a bad spot for him. I think that was a great spot, as a matter of fact. Uh, this year, you know, I mean, if you want, if WWE wants to have a moment with Colin Jost and Michael Che that is going to make the New York Post and is going to show up on the evening news and is going to make that mainstream level publicity, why not do it with a guy who is towering over him? Why not take your your biggest, most spectacular-looking superstar and say, Colin Jost is an average-sized man, but look at the size of this guy who's got him up by the neck. You know, I think that that's just classic, classic WWE and classic wrestling, and and I think probably your best bet for publicity, and 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 maybe it is right now your best use of Braun Strowman. Yeah, I think if you had more baby faces. If you if you felt like you had the baby faces who who matched up well against a heel Braun Strowman, you might maybe you can go that route or stick with that route. But fans, kids already like him. They're going to cheer him. I don't think they're going to be scared of him because they've seen too much of him mm-hmm. being likable. Mm-hmm. It's hard to hard to believe that. And I don't think WWE wants to tell the story they need to tell to get Braun over in that way. And so if he's a baby face, who do you match him against? They don't have enough big heels, you right. know. Even if Lars Sullivan ha- had played out the way they anticipated, he's not that. He's not. He's you know big in NXT next to Adam Cole and and Johnny Gargano and and Tommaso Ciampa, but he's not a giant in on the main roster. So with with Braun, I, I I and it seems like they've done this. There's less of him in the ring to the point, and I think this is the right approach, to the point that when he is in a match, it's a novelty that is an attraction. Like, oh, Braun's going to wrestle. Let's see what he does. But if you put him out there every week, you start to lose it. There was a time in the 2000s, uh, I think late 2000s, where Undertaker was on SmackDown a lot. Yeah. And it was like, it just felt weird. Like, it felt like he had made it to a special attraction level. And him just being in a match every week, it, it felt like it was it was cool, but it was also, from a business standpoint, diminishing the novelty of seeing him. So Braun's been around just long enough where, I mean, I think he should be on all the house shows. I mean, He's an attraction. Put him on all the house shows. But as far as TV goes, I, I don't think he should be on TV that often. And and I think that's a fine use of him. Save him as actually a house show attraction who you don't see wrestle a lot. And then pick your spots on TV. And when he does wrestle, make a big deal out of it. And that's sort of, you know, there's some Andre in that um, also uh, where, you know, you weren't having Andre wrestle on TV a lot. It was it was a novelty. Yeah. And I think that uh, I think he's almost what the big show could have been. Had it not been for that period in his—well, first of all, had it not been what we just talked about a minute ago with, you know, good guy, bad guy, good guy, bad guy, but had it not been for the big show's comedic stuff, like had he not done that run where he dressed up as Baby New Year and and did all the kind of goofy, you know, Austin Powers stuff, had he not done that stuff, I think that what Braun Strowman is doing now is something that big show could have been and was for a period of time. He just—he wasn't— to me, at that moment, on the level of Braun Strowman, I, you know, I think if you look at careers, clearly Big Show is a Hall of Famer and is, you know, this legendary person. But I'm talking about the period of time when the Big Show was a good guy and was yeah. this guy that would just come out. I think because he had done so many different things, it didn't quite have the impact that Braun Strowman does and could. And I think that the perfect use for him on TV was what we saw with him on Raw, where, you know, good guy Finn Balor has the odds stacked against him. And Braun Strowman is there as the guy that every bad guy on the roster is afraid of and goes, oh, no, we thought we had this good guy pinned into a corner, but now we find out he's friends with Braun Strowman. We're toast. You mentioned the uh, 
Colin Jost and Michael Che and, and getting in the New York Post and that kind of thing. Uh, being a New Yorker, how maybe you have the wrong perspective. Maybe it's more important outside of New York. I don't know. How important is that for WWE? Like to to get that mainstream publicity in the mark in New York. Like does that help them in terms of fan acceptance? Is it more important in terms of advertiser? That's where the, the network heads are. Um, like at this point where everything is so specialized, where there are for a certain demographic, uh, YouTube stars. And I don't know what the break, what the age is where being a, a YouTube star is a bigger deal than being on the tonight show as a guest. Like mm -hmm. th at this point, WWE fans or WWE fans, do they need to be validated by a headline in a newspaper at this point? Where is that value? And I'm not discounting it has value. I'm, I'm not affirming it does either. I'm just curious, how much should WWE be chasing that in 2019 when WWE reaches people through means that are different than 1989 or 1999? Well, I think, we, I think, and I mean, I think that that's a great question because you're 100% right about the, especially when it comes to demographics, about the split in audiences and this idea, you know, on the radio show this week, we had uh, uh, the guy who hosts Hot Ones, the Hot Wings interview show on our radio show today. And, and we were talking about the fact that guests are just kind of coming around on the fact that, yeah, you want to do Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon and shows like that, but Hot Ones on YouTube can do 30 million views over the course of a week. Like, it's, it's, it's that level of eyes. However, mainstream is still mainstream, and I, I kind of, I think it's important, it's not so important that every single week that coverage happened, but especially around WrestleMania and especially when WrestleMania is in New York, because there's just such a competition, specifically in the New York market for marquee space. There's so much happening in New York. It's not like you're struggling to find a headline. Um, and I, I think that, that when I realized that the WWE has gone past the WWE fan base and really uh, reminded people that may not have remembered that they're a relevant organization. I think that that's what it is. It's it's relevance. I think to really be relevant, you have to take the time to remind people who are outside of your audience that you're a big deal. I think, you know, when John Oliver on HBO, he's got this amazing following. His show is great. But when it really counts is when he does something, you know, like a couple years ago when he did the Drumpf sketch and that thing went everywhere, and you had people calling you that never talked to you about John Oliver going, oh, did you see this thing that this guy John Oliver did? Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how much Corey Graves would want me to bring it up, but my dad <laughs> called when my dad called me, and he said, hey, what's up with your buddy Corey Graves? I just saw in the post, some, what's going on with him and Carmella? Like, mm -hmm. you know, that's much bigger than when it's on every wrestling site. When the New York Post is saying, hey— there's this, uh, and that's where it was. He saw it in the post. He's like, I'm reading the post, and it says that uh, something's going on with Corey Graves and Carmella. And that's when it becomes a story that is beyond the scope of what the WWE usually hits. And I, I think that, that there's just such an audience of people. Still, in 2019, there is such a large audience of people that know SNL and know Colin Jost and know all these people, but still... That wrestling stigma exists. It's still wrestling. It's still the fake stuff. It's still hokey. And they wouldn't think, wrong as they are, that SNL and, and, and actors from SNL or whatever, performers, would mix with these pro wrestlers. And when they see that happening, they go, oh, I guess, I guess 
Is WWE still still popular? Oh, I guess they are. And, you know, I think that for every, you know, 100 people that see that, if you can get one person that goes, oh, you know what? I haven't watched WWE in so long. If they're still doing stuff like this, let me at least see what's going on. You know, there is still audience to find there, especially audience that, that turned off wrestling, you know, 15 years ago and can be convinced to maybe turn it back on. Um, I have a question for you, though. I want to talk about uh, Kofi Kingston because I was talking about it last week on the podcast, and I think it rings even more true this week if you watch SmackDown. It felt to me uh, like over the summer and into you know the winter and the spring as we head into that this Becky Lynch story was something so out of the ordinary that you know WWE just kind of stumbled upon this magic where the audience said, this is what we want. And the WWE did something that they hadn't done in a while, and they listened. And they said, oh, oh, that's what you want? And we saw it, and they went for it, and, and they're still going for it. And that, it's not just Becky Lynch. It's, it's to me, the story that, that Becky Lynch represents. She broke that cycle of, yeah, but we have a plan, and we're going to do this anyway. It was a moment where they go, oh, you know what? Let's see what we have with this Becky Lynch thing. Everybody seems so interested. Um, I am shocked and it's and it's this very very similar example that on smackdown we've now seen this happen twice inside of a matter of months that kofi kingston who wasn't part of the plan and we know he wasn't part of the plan because he's only there because mustafa ali got injured but mustafa ali got injured they decided to do something to try to remind people like, oh, I know you were excited about Mustafa Ali, but Kofi's great too. It worked better than they could have imagined. And now they've created this story where Kofi has more people. They have they have created such a, a, a desire to see Kofi finally get what he deserves that somehow the, the cheers for Kofi are actually even bigger than Becky Lynch, and I think it's amazing that this is happening on one show over the and both happening kind of simultaneously. Fans are fickle, Sam. Fans are fickle. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, again, there's there's things happening that six eight months ago you went to predicted would happen or be be a concern for WWE. Uh, I, the question is, how good is WWE at going all the way with the unexpected? Uh, momentum that a wrestler gets and and that will be answered in the next two and a half weeks with Kofi you know on on Smackdown this week celebration I looked at the clock hey we get to celebrate <laughs> Kofi's win for seven minutes this yeah, is gonna be great isn't it fun when stuff <laughs> happens at like 9 52 9 53 and you're going wait a minute <laughs> that's why I said I said on the the VIP hotline I did that night I'm like they should have had the 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 um the Kofi match start at like 40 minutes into the first hour and, and, you know, kind of 35 minutes into the se second hour. So people are, and then have a standby match announced. So we couldn't predict, you know, that something is going to happen because there's not enough time for a whole other segment or whole other match. So we're just like, all right, what's Vince going to do? You know, he's going to pull the rug out from under Kofi and sure enough, the music cues up. But I'm, I am curious to see, do they two weeks from now as fans are, are, are getting ready to watch WrestleMania or deciding whether to reorder the network? Are they going to be excited or are they going to be bracing for the worst? Um, are they going or, or will they think uh, they even people are watching every week? 
they messed around with me too much. And I went, you know, it's like you do it with a sports team. You get excited because they're on the winning streak. And then there's a losing streak. And like, I'm not even going to watch them for a few months. Tell me what happens. Like, I think they're messing with fans, some fans' psyche too much, given their history. Um, and it, part of it may relate to what sports market they're in, too, in terms of how much they can handle of somebody like Kofi winning, but then having it taken away. But he is this central storyline. He is, in all likelihood, knock on wood, going to be headlining one-on-one uh, a, a WWE title match at a WrestleMania against Daniel Bryan. That's totally not what, what, what was planned, obviously, as you pointed out, because of the Mustafa Ali injury. So can they finish? Can they run from third base to home and, 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 and have, hit a crescendo and then have a finish that also satisfies? I'm very curious what they do with the Sam because it wasn't part of Vince's master plan last November when he's plotting out WrestleMania, uh, his intent for WrestleMania. What do you think of the subtext of this story? I mean, because it's been, at first you were kind of, uh, for me anyway, I'll tell you, at first I was kind of picking up on some subtext here. And I'm going, maybe I'm just picking up on this because I don't think, and I feel like this week the subtext was really laid down. And the subtext that I'm talking about is, of course, uh, Byron Saxton making comments like, Oh, of course, of course. The philosophy here is anyone but him, anyone but him. I don't know if you saw, but Big E put a, a video. He did a promo on Twitter that was not a, you know, it wasn't a wrestling promo. It was just a video that he shot, you know, apparently on his own. And he talked about people like us, was his quote, not getting these opportunities. And there's only so far that people like us, historically have been able to go. And I mean, it really, once he said historically, I go, okay, this is, we're starting to uh, uncloak exactly what's going on here. Um, <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the fact that they're kind of going here with this and the subtext of not someone like you, Kofi, and we all kind of know based on the history of WWE and pro wrestling in general, what is being talked about? It's dangerous territory. Um, it's not an area where WWE has a great track record. Um, Self-proclaimed silverback, uh, the Triple H Booker T feud, on and on. That said, if Kofi wins in the end, and Big E and Xavier and, and, and Kofi are in on the discussion and being heard and have a hand on the steering wheel, and it's done in a respectful way with the right bad guys being portrayed as bad guys, and the right good guys prevailing in the end, I think it's a compelling story, and I think it's something people can get behind and relate to. Um, so, but the the responsibility of WWE is to make sure that they handle this situation with more delicacy than Braun Strowman and Colin Jost, where you can kind of get away with just broad brushstrokes and 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 comedy. This this is to a lot of people, their life ex a touchy subject with their life experience, and they look to WWE to escape from it or have a tasteful story told with a happy ending that pulls from that subtext. And it, it's certainly there. I mean, there's things, even Vince McMahon using the term Young Bucks last week. Some people yeah. thought, oh, that's an AEW reference, but that's, Ron you know, Ronald, you Google the term, Young Bucks Ronald Reagan. That was meant to be a dog whistle, uh, or it was seen as a dog whistle and a racist term. Uh, for for strapping on black men, uh, living a certain way and, and being classified a certain way, um, so there's history to this, and that would be a, a, a term Vince McMahon of his generation would be familiar with. So it's been there throughout. I I am 
waiting to see how it ends to judge it. Um, so far, it's a story that is absolutely within the realm of what pro wrestling should be able to tell, and it's compelling, and 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 it's working in the sense that fans are rallying behind Kofi on several levels. Yeah, and and I I don't mean this in a Colbert type way, but some fans don't see color. Like they're, they they love Kofi because of other all kinds of other things, and like they're aware, oh, he's he's a not white. He's a black guy. He's, but they're not like, that's not a motivation for liking or disliking or even classifying him. But there are other people where that is absolutely important to them that he succeed in this situation and that he overcome the Vince McMahon character and the obstacles and the rug being pulled out in the things that Vince has said. And Biggie is clearly aware of that and clearly in that video acknowledging it. So Sam, I, I don't think there's an outcome that I can think of that other than Kofi winning at WrestleMania that will make this story that they're telling 100% okay. And if they do something different, they either have to mop it up or or prove to me there's there's a good master plan and the, the story just is continuing until there's that, that happy ending. Because you can't have the racist guy be, quote, proven true. And WWE fans don't want to see the, the white, powerful billionaire win out over their favorite wrestler who's put in a, a, a roughly a dozen years earning this spot. And what's really interesting about subtext and why I think it's pretty artful the way they've done it is that you're right about certain wrestling fans being colorblind and certain people being colorblind. And I'm sure there are a lot of fans that still have not picked up on the subtext. And maybe they're the ones that aren't on Twitter, you know, watching everything. Yeah. There are plenty of fans, I'm sure, that are just watching the show and looking at the Kofi story as an underdog story. And by the way, not picking up on the subtext is not necessarily a positive or a negative. You know, right. there, there yep. are, there are, there's a negative side to being colorblind, but there's obviously a positive side too. Um, but you're, I think you're hundred percent right. I think it's, the story can only be judged on the story when it's done being told and WrestleMania will tell us a lot of that. But if the story is told properly, I think it's pretty, uh, it's pretty big that the WWE is kind of going there. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, go can, ahead. Let me ask you quick. Can Kofi be, if he wins, can he be a guy who they go with as champion through the summer, through SummerSlam, maybe beyond? It, I mean, they can tell a story, but then move on quickly to something else, or they can tell the story, have Kofi win. Is Kofi's popularity something that they should just set aside other plans and ride it out? You know, I think that for the time being, at least, they should. Um, to me, it's not that dissimilar from Rey Mysterio winning the championship at WrestleMania, where... You don't necessarily look at Rey Mysterio's title reign as one of the great title reigns of all time, but you look at that moment when he won the championship as this super important great moment, you know? And and I think that worst case scenario, if Kofi were to go to WrestleMania and win the WWE championship, the worst case scenario is you get a moment like that where it's just a moment. And by the way, that's still an amazing scenario. Worst case scenario is still great. Uh, best case scenario is that momentum continues to build and people realize that this is a guy they've wanted for a long time. And, you know, when this, I, what I really liked about SmackDown this week um, was that when this whole story with Kofi started, I immediately had flashbacks to how fired up I was the first time. It looked as though Kofi might be headed towards the main event, and that was, of course, the rivalry that he had with Randy Orton. And I remember being at Madison Square Garden for that episode yeah. of Raw. wow. Where he, you know, where where it yep. was that was the moment 
and then it all kind of went away. To watch Randy Orton, and I believe that Randy was actually wearing the same gear on SmackDown that he wore when he had his moment with Kofi, but to watch Randy Orton on SmackDown, and again, the subtleties were were such that you don't normally see, but to watch him say stupid to Kofi Kingston during that match, I went, wow, like this is... This is happening. This isn't sort of, we're not living in a vacuum. There's, whether, and I'm sure that, that I would imagine Randy decided to do that himself. That struck me as something that Randy probably decided to do himself. But even so, the fact that Randy is acknowledging this thing that all of us that are hardcore fans have known about for a long time. You know, everybody who is a fan on the level of you or I is, is, is well aware of Randy Orton, stupid, stupid, stupid. You know, none of us have ever forgotten that moment. To see it get acknowledged on SmackDown in that way and almost to say, hey, remember, this almost happened before and it got stopped and who knows why, uh, I thought was kind of beautiful. I don't think it's an accident <laughs> at all. Uh, anything you talk about, including Randy being the final guy for Kofi to go through. Yeah. And and it worked out fine. I mean, it worked out really well that Randy is in a position where it makes sense he'd be the last one uh, to, to walk out. So, yeah, I mean, this is, again, it's 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 I, it's I an unexpected, unplanned, audible for WWE, and, and I'm glad that they're embracing it. I don't think they have, you know, any other obvious option that's being pushed aside, you know, that they kind of burn through AJ. Um, they had Joe in the world title spot. They have a heel in Daniel Bryan. They wanted to tell the Mustafa Ali story. Yes, you had Kevin Owens coming back, and that could have worked, but we don't know what would have happened if they went that route. So it's like to me, that's where I, I think if Kofi wins, let him have let him be WWE champion and embrace him and promote him with all the enthusiasm with the machine behind him that you would anyone and see what happens because it's not like they're displacing something else that is obviously, obviously better. So Let's see what happens. Like, don't don't go halfway or seventy percent or or have an endpoint preordained because you want to move on to something else that, in your mind, is worth planning for. This is a cool moment, and show the fans you don't just when the fans clearly are demanding it, you do it, but then you kind of move on as quickly as possible. Like, roll with this. I I I want to see Kofi cut fiery babyface promos against heels who line up to take him down. And I think that should be a post-superstar shakeup priority for Vince McMahon. And let's see that story be told. It, you know, everybody who wins a title at WrestleMania doesn't have to be the, a centerpiece for the next eight years or six mm -hmm. years. You can just do something that you think will work for eight months and play it by ear, cut it short or go longer. Right, no, I agree totally. And I also really like the idea now of instead of going the traditional wrestling route where, oh, and then what if Big E turns on him? I love the idea of... Maybe for the first time in history, Kofi's faction, the New Day, just supporting him. Just th there is no breakup. It's Kofi goes on to be a a main event single star as WWE champion, but maintains his ties to New Day. And New Day just no, no, it's pro wrestling. You can't do that. You, <laughs> <laughs> we have what are you talking about? I, I don't even. I think you talked, Sam, but I didn't really hear the words. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't. You don't think that that. In the world of pro wrestling, we could just wait a minute. What if a faction were to just evolve, not devolve, evolve into whatever the next incarnation of this is? I mean, that's how you make something special. For the first time, it's not going to happen. He's not going to have one of these guys. The biggest guy in the faction physically for the first time is not going to turn on the good guy. 
You know, I, I think that that's the way you do something special. But maybe you're right. Maybe I'm crazy. Well, it, I mean, it has crossed my mind that what they might do is is have Kofi look like he's about to win, just like on, on SmackDown this week. And instead, um, it, B- Big E looks... Biggie looks like he's coming to help, but he sabotages, or Biggie does something that is am- ambiguous and you don't know, and that's the cliffhanger. And Daniel Bryan retains, and fans are like, did Biggie do that on purpose, or was it an accident? And they turn that into a story. I could imagine them thinking that's a, a, an okay route to go, as long as a New Day member keeps Kofi from winning, and then Daniel Bryan keeps the title, and then they move on to babyface Kevin Owens or babyface Mustafa Ali. Is that good enough if it's Biggie who? Or, or Xavier, who cost Kofi the championship. I'm, I'm with you, all joking aside. I'd like to just see Biggie and Xavier work tag team matches, like Kofi be champion. They, they stay a group. Kofi stands there proudly as champion, more four horsemen. Like, you got Arn and Tully, and you yeah. got Ric Flair. Yeah. They each have their, their roles. I'm, I'm all for that. But what about something that does involve a turn? I mean, is that an option or, quote, an escape hatch from having to end the story with Kofi winning at Mania that is acceptable? I think it's acceptable. You know, I think it would be, you know, it would get, make people unhappy, but it would make people unhappy in the right kind of way. I think, it, you know, it'd get, it would get booed out of MetLife Stadium, but I don't think, I don't think it would be, you know, this is BS, I'm dissatisfied, boos. It would be, oh, boo, you're a bad guy, and you took away the thing that I wanted to see, whether it's Biggie or Xavier, and I would imagine... It would be Big E. Also, you know, just the fact that Big E has been so vocal and so supportive, the idea that he would turn around, I think that it would allow you to not see the WWE as a villain coming out of this um, and still be able to have Daniel Bryan maintain uh, his reign as champion, if that's what you want to do. At this moment, as I talk to you, wouldn't be my first pick, but I think it's certainly something that you could do. I don't think that it would be a, a disastrous thing to do. Yeah, I don't know if it'd be, I don't think it'd be disastrous. I'm, I'm less sure that there wouldn't be, than you are, than there wouldn't be a meta response of their WWE goes again, stopping us from having our moment that we've been waiting for for a long time and that there's no good reason not to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I would, if I were them, I'd, I'd be cautious about taking that approach and being sure that fans would just be into the storyline of it and not see it as the man, the company, the promotion, the billionaire owner who's in control of of, of the strings, not giving because it would like it just doesn't seem like it's that much to ask. Let Kofi win. Keep right. it simple. I Get mean, out of the way. Let's just tell, do whatever you want afterwards. But give us that moment at MetLife Stadium where there's Kofi with all the symbolism involved holding holding that championship in the air, having won and won clean and had a good match, and it's the end of a story, it it makes the the, the bumps in the road like this week on SmackDown, it 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 it, it doesn't seem like it, it'll be a payoff in the end that makes the bumps in the road add to the drama, not portend something that people fear is the end point. Unless you have Kofi win the title and then Big E comes out to spoil it. So you still, oh, sure, sure. You, I mean, you could, and it wouldn't be that dissimilar from, AJ winning the title fair and square, you know, retaining the title fair and square, and Nakamura turns on him after the match. You could have Big E turn on yes. Kofi after the match, and then who knows, maybe, you know, a month from WrestleMania, Big E is beats Kofi Kingston, and Big E becomes the champion. You know, I think that that's also a route that you could take, but 
you know, I oh, absolutely. I, I mean, really if, if if Kofi and Biggie bounce the titles back and you know back yeah. and forth, or I mean that that's a a net gain for everything that people want out of this Kofi storyline because now you've got you know an ongoing story where two members of New Day are seen mm-hmm. as worthy of headlining house shows and pay-per-views and, and holding that world championship for a span of time. I still, you know, my ideal scenario, I think, is the same as yours, which is New Day just stays together and supports each other. But who knows what will happen? Um, what do you think of the year that Daniel Bryan has had? It's been a year this week since Daniel Bryan announced oh, he's he's back. You know, he his first match back was last year's WrestleMania. Um in the tag match with Shane McMahon. Uh, and, and you know, in my opinion, Ronda Rousey kind of stopped him from having the story of the night at WrestleMania. And that wasn't anyone's fault. It was just, look, I think not only was Ronda there, but she was better than anybody thought she would be. And, and to me, WrestleMania 34, she's always going to be the number one story of that WrestleMania. Looking back a year, that's what you think about with that WrestleMania is the fact that Ronda Rousey showed up and she stole the show. She had match of the night and for the last year has done nothing but build and build and build on all the goodwill that she built at WrestleMania. And there've been, you know, minor bumps in the road as she's gone, but realistically speaking, nobody's sitting there today saying Ronda Rousey can't handle being in the main event. Whereas Last year, they were saying, I don't know how Ronda Rousey's going to handle being in the ring. So I think that Ronda's story made it so that uh, Daniel Bryan didn't get the, oh my God, Daniel Bryan is back, top story of the night, you know, the way he had his moment at WrestleMania 30. But I do think that, you know, and and I don't think anybody would have predicted it. I I think that, you know, if if you had, I would have thought that they'd say, okay, maybe they're going to go to WrestleMania 35 and have a good guy, Daniel Bryan, finally beat The Miz as a bad guy for the WWE Championship. I certainly wouldn't think that you would have a good guy, Miz, facing a bad guy, Shane McMahon, and a bad guy, Daniel Bryan, with Eric Rowan by his side, (laughs) having, you know, the, the, the biggest success that he's had right now since the yes movement started it's kind of it's pretty amazing no no it is and, and again it's there's i think daniel bryan came out of out of he he returned and there's a sense of can it be what it want what it was five six years ago and it, it just wasn't for for all kinds of reasons it just his return was was wonderful but it was hard to kind of go back to that point and just pick up where you left off for whatever reason um, and, and we could look week by week and, and look at some booking decisions and, and performances and promos and circumstances surrounding him and, 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 and go, okay, I think Daniel Bryan looked at all that and how things were going and said, I got to do something different. And he's talked about that in interviews. You know, I, I realized I, I'm kind of, I mean, I don't know if he exactly said he was bored playing the same character, but I think he didn't feel like he had a lot to do or say given the lay of the land and the heel turn excited him and gave him something that wouldn't be compared to the magic of the, the initial rise of, of, of Brian and Kane against the shield. And then everything that happened thereafter with the authority. Um, and so he got to try something new and not every aspect of that worked out great, but in the end, he, he was justifiably deemed to be the guy they wanted to be WWE champion at WrestleMania. And they, 
there's been some twists in the road in terms of who he's facing, but now he's almost lucked into um, a red hot baby face with this great backstory as an opponent to the point. And Sam, you and I do this a lot. You know, you could make a case that should be the final match at Mania now. Like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> as much as Becky and Charlotte and 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 um, uh, Ronda, you know, they've sort of almost promised it would be. Uh, I don't know if it's as hot as it was. At different times, I think people still want to see it for sure. But it's not just the runaway obvious match. Heck, after the Monday that Seth Rollins had, not counting the finish where he took his eye off the ball, uh, but everything else about that night in Chicago was like, wow, the fans are really behind Seth. Seth is Seth is the alpha going into Mania. Heyman and Lesnar were great. That could headline, and two weeks before that, I was like, it feels kind of cold. they got to rev it up, and they did. I mean, if you but told me that you're going to close the show with Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre, I would not throw you out the window. No, I, but I would advise you in the best. If I were Roman Reigns, I'd say please don't do that. I would. I would agree with you. I would say it's time for you know you got a lot of goodwill here, Roman. You know, bank on that. But I don't think that that match would disappoint. I'm not. It wouldn't. Again, not my first pick. But I don't think that that match as a match. First of all, I think McIntyre's the perfect opponent for Roman. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I think that that match is going to do a whole lot for both people. But I'm. I'm kind of. Veering off topic, we're talking about the fact well, that that Brian, Daniel Bryan, yeah. and Kofi, if that's the match, absolutely, there's an argument that, and a strong argument, that that's your hottest match. That's the one that should uh, close the show. I, I and I'll, I'll just say one thing on the Roman thing. Had Roman Reigns been out of action for a year and four months mm -hmm. uh, or five months, then I think you can headline WrestleMania, or especially if he'd gone more than been gone more than two years. Being gone is for the time he was. Uh, it's. I don't think that gives it enough oomph to just. Yeah, let's let's headline with this feel good moment. It's sort of like, oh, Roman has gone about as long as Kevin Owens, and now he's back. Right. And yes, we know there's cancer thing, but you know, in people's minds, they're like, he looks the same. He is the guy. Um, yes, I relate to him more, and I and I've been on this journey with him in a way. But it's not like, oh God, this is. He's got a headline. This is an emotional crescendo. Uh, it's just not quite there. So. Mm -hmm. But I get what you're saying in terms of them having a lot of options. But Daniel Bryan is in is in a match at WrestleMania that you could make the case should and would justifiably get the crowd reaction and the embrace from not just a segment of passionate fans, but the totality of WWE's audience. The viewership difference between Raw and SmackDown is not that great. Um, that where they would be like, totally, yes, Kofi Bryan is the match that. I, I would want to end with because it's the match that when it's over, it feels like that's the end of WrestleMania. And that's saying something with Brock Lesnar and Seth and Ronda Rousey and Becky and Charlotte. That really is saying something about Brian's year and, and where he ended up. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's pretty remarkable. What about the choice that uh, WWE made? You know, it's really funny. You know that you're getting odd feedback on a choice when – the entire internet is sitting there going like, well, clearly this is a swerve. And then the news stories are like, no, this is not a swerve. Um, of course, the choice that Baron Corbin would be the guy, you know, Kurt Angle comes out last week and announces uh, his final match is going to be at WrestleMania. Uh, I'm going to announce next week who my opponent's going to be or who I'm challenging. Uh, you know, people are going, uh, Samoa Joe would be a good choice. But of course, a lot of people saying John Cena would be an obvious choice because that was John Cena's first main roster match. I came on the podcast last week and said Mustafa Ali would be my choice just because it would put Mustafa Ali maybe back 
closer to that position that he was in before his injury, and it would allow you to still have a feel-good moment with Kurt Angle. But uh, I don't think a lot of people thought (laughs) that Baron Corbin would be the choice, but nevertheless, uh, Kurt Angle's big grand finale final match at WrestleMania will be against Baron Corbin. Uh, What do you think? If if I was a little kid and my parents said, what do you want for your birthday? You can have anything. Spend a whole week telling us all the cool things you want and and give us a top five list, a top ten list. And and I would, you know, I'd be like, you know, a new bike and, and, and like I'd have all these. And then and then Christmas comes. And they're like, here's your gift. And it, I'm shaking the box. I'm like, this is kind of weird. Uh, this doesn't feel like, you know, the latest Xbox. And then I open it up and it's a new shirt. <laughs> that's that's what fans felt on monday like you just spent a whole week wb.com said kurt angle dream opponents undertaker john cena maybe Shawn michaels comes out of retire all these grandiose ideas kurt angle on instagram who do you want to see me face john cena got the most likes people who said john cena that moved to the top of the instagram feedback page that got the most likes I mean, you, you know, oh, Mustafa Ali, that would make sense. And and all these all these great whole week of just they shouldn't have given people a week. Like a shirt is fine on your birthday if you didn't spend a week submitting <laughs> ideas of dream gifts. Yeah. Then you're like, well, I kind of needed a shirt. Okay, you know, I'd like something better. But my God, that was they just they handled that poorly. I mean, they uh, Vince obviously believes in Baron Corbin, and Baron Cor- Corbin gets heel heat from from kids and families in a way that not that a lot of heels would like to have. And he's a big guy, and he can fill TV time. And yes, he and Kurt Angle have that natural backstory. And you can believe, storyline-wise, if it were all real, Kurt Angle would absolutely love to just shut up Aaron Corbin on the big stage at MetLife Stadium and, and embarrass him and and win that way. I mean, there is it's not like ridiculous storyline-wise, but it is ridiculous how they built it up and the fact that a legendary wrestler like Kurt Angle is going to end his career on a match that if it's on SmackDown, that's when you get up to let the dog out. Um, <laughs> is 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 I I. I am everybody is has just is tilting their head going okay so seriously what's the joke here we're, uh, we got two more weeks thankfully and, and I do wonder if the feedback is enough where they might change it I mean even Kurt Angle went on either Instagram or Twitter within a couple hours of Smackdown uh or Raw excuse me or Raw, was it Raw? Raw yeah. okay yeah, yeah they blend in sometimes um Raw thank you yes and uh of course and he uh and he was like sorry <laughs> I know it's I know it's not your pick but I gotta say, I'm still looking forward to meeting Baron Corbin. I hope you'll be there to cheer me. It was like he was meek. Like, I mean, the feedback was overwhelmingly negative. So I don't know how they miscalculated. Well, and and you wonder if it was a miscalculation or if we're in this space where getting people to boo a bad guy with with social media, with the with the way the world is shrinking, with the line that's getting blurred between real life people and characters. Is becoming more and more difficult, and 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 you know, as you know, you know better than anybody. I'm painfully optimistic. I think sometimes for you, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's refreshing. Okay, good. But what if the whole idea of building this up for a week is so that the letdown could be so strong that he gets booed out of MetLife Stadium, Baron Corbin, that is, and he should. He's a bad guy. And what if this plan, this this master plan here is really so that when Baron Corbin beats Kurt Angle at MetLife Stadium, we have created the biggest, most hated villain in WWE? 
hey, if they can turn, if, if they're going to utilize, so to speak, Kurt Angle's retirement to try to create a heel with heat that's not go-away heat, it's not heat on the company, but they believe a part of their audience would be angry at Baron Corbin in that way, and they can do that, then I'll look back and congratulate them because Kurt Angle's retirement isn't that special. Uh, it's not Shawn Michaels or Undertaker in that in that respect. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, realistically, I think that we're going to look back on this phase of Kurt Angle's career again. I mean, I go right back to last year's WrestleMania. I think that when you look at a match that exemplifies the end of Kurt Angle's career, you're going to end up looking at the tag match with Ronda as as the sort of quintessential end of, of Kurt Angle's career match. When you think about Mick Foley, like, you know, you think about the Triple H matches, you think about the Royal Rumble 2000, you think about the Hell in a Cell, uh, No Way Out, I think, was the pay-per-view match uh, of that year. You certainly don't think about the WrestleMania 2000 match. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that these milestone matches necessarily end up meaning as much as people think they will. I think that when we want to remember somebody in the best light possible, we can, you know, because there's just there's just so much. I think that we we do have that ability as wrestling fans to go, I really like Kurt Angle, so I'm not going to pay attention to the WrestleMania. The same way we're enjoying watching Kurt Angle beat uh, Chad Gable and we're enjoying watching Kurt Angle beat Apollo Crews and all those people that were furious over the fact that Drew McIntyre embarrassingly beat him a few months ago, mm -hmm. everybody's willing to pretend that didn't happen because they like Kurt Angle enough. You know, I think fans are willing, even if they were upset when that happened, they're now willing to put that aside and go, ah, yeah, but we're not going to talk about that anymore. Uh, here, I want to see Apollo Crews and Kurt Angle uh, uh, in Pittsburgh tonight. Uh, and I think that, that for Kurt Angle, if he were to lose to Baron Corbin, that that would probably happen. I don't think Kurt Angle's career would be marred. I think we would look at his Hall of Fame speech where he poured milk all over himself, <laughs> and I think we would look at, at his match, the tag match with Ronda Rousey, and go, you know what? Kurt Angle's the man. And I think potentially, if it works properly, you could look at, oh, do you remember how badly Baron Corbin got booed in MetLife Stadium? I think all these things could could very well happen. And, and and I think you get so many of those cards to play, mm -hmm. but you can't play too many of them. Um, in, in, in you are that is um, not painfully optimistic, but it is it is glow <laughs> um, it, uh, it is glowingly optimistic in terms of, it is a it is a best case scenario yeah. that if you if you imagine how doubling up because a lot a lot of fans are in in their bubble of this is how I I look at wrestling and how my friends and the people who I interact with on social media and the podcasts that I listen to or the or the Reddit group that I belong to this is how we see wrestling and this is what drives us to be interested in the product and and Vince McMahon is is looking at a broader base and you can argue that I, I think successfully that there are times he plays to a part of the base at the expense of another where the great growth potential is in that other the, the being a more cool authentic uh spontaneous seeming uh product built around less cartoonish characters and and you know bringing back the 18 to 18 to 49 year old male that has left since the Monday Night War era, and that analogy or that it's getting a little dated now because those people are like 80 now. But you know what I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> uh, but uh, you can 
I think Vince can go too far sometimes not playing to the the, the demographic that is probably most disenchanted with what they're watching. I, a childhood friend of mine, 40 years old, came over yesterday, and I hadn't seen him in a while, and he's like, I can't wait for AEW. WWE is just not speaking to me anymore. Um, and, 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 and he listed some of the bullet point reasons why. I think Vince underestimates how many of those people there are out there who really want to watch, but it's a chore because of certain things that they do. So is Baron Corbin in that category? I don't know. Probably he's in the category of let's get those kids to be angry and their parents you know, t- t- to be angry with them. But I don't know if pushing Baron Corbin as, as a heel is the type of thing that gets my 40-year-old friend who lived through the Attitude Era and he really wants to like WWE to get excited about buying a house show ticket next time or to to make sure he's a network subscriber year-round. That's the calculation where you have to understand Vince is looking at a broad field of fans in catering to different types. Once you acknowledge that, it doesn't mean you have to say that all the choices he makes are the correct ones given the array of choices he has. So I would say with Corbin, there's a, there's a plus side some people aren't looking at, but I'm not sure ultimately that that isn't in the category of decisions he makes that does sometimes come at the expense of what works in NXT with a different demographic who don't get who love Tommaso Ciampa and don't get hung up on the things that Vince McMahon would get hung up on about him. Yeah, look, I think that, that there is certainly merit to what you're saying. Um but I mean, I think you said it. The the we're we're in 2019 now. It'll be 2020 before we know it and the fans that were watching during the Attitude Era are aging out of the demographic that you just described. Right. You, you just said that your friend who turned off wrestling years ago is 40. You know, that's definitely on the backside of that 18 to 49 demo. Um, I also think that when you look at the buzz that AEW has, realistically, AEW is right now one pay-per-view. And I'm counting all in as their one pay-per-view and a couple of press conferences. WWE is and this is by their own design, and there is flaws to it, and that's what we're talking about, you know, seven hours of TV a week plus a six-hour pay-per-view every month. You know, it becomes, it gets to a point where it is, what do you see on these shows? You know, with NXT, it's perfect. It's an hour of TV a week, and it's a, it's a you know, two-and-a-half-hour pay-per-view every quarter. So you're forced to put on the best of the best of the best. If you took out the very best only of what's going on with WWE right now, and you gave us two hours instead of five hours of you know Raw and SmackDown yeah. a week. If you gave yeah. combined Raw and SmackDown five hours and you put it into one two-hour show, and then you use that two-hour show to every even still do it every month, put on a three-hour pay-per-view, I think there's enough going on on Raw and SmackDown right now that you are putting on the best wrestling show in quite some time. But, unfortunately, when you've got a three-hour Raw and a two-hour SmackDown and a uh, uh, six-hour pay-per-view, you end up in scenarios where you've got this Kofi Kingston thing that's got people hooked. You've got this Becky Lynch-Charlotte thing, uh, uh, Ronda thing, that even though people are a little like, "Uh, I don't know if I like it as much as I did before, it still absolutely undeniably has people hooked. I think people are interested in Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. Like I said, the Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre soap opera is working. Lots of stuff is working. It's just that there is so much stuff (laughs) that all of a sudden Baron Corbin and Kurt Angle shows up and you go, yeah, this is why I don't watch. And you want to right. go, wait, 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 wait. Watch the Hulu version at least. Like You, can- you, you, you <laughs> just gave me a great idea. I, yeah. I was looking at The Onion yesterday, 
and, and their, their headline is new Pepsi product specifically mentions target demographic on label. And it's, it's a Pepsi can it's Pepsi 18 to 24. <laughs> like just, let's just label it you gave me a great idea uh-huh. wwe should have a, a two-hour show yeah. that combines smackdown raw main event heck throw in nxt if you want uh-huh. um and and 205 live and do a two-hour show and call it 18 to 24 18 to 34 18 to 34 you may 18 to 34 male that should be the name of the show <laughs> yeah it's two hours and it's and it's just for people who think they're going to love AEW way more than WWE. Right. But they wouldn't, your point is they wouldn't have to create new content to do it. It's Mm-mm. all there. Mm-hmm. But then have another show on the network called WWE 2 to 12. <laughs> <laughs> and they wouldn't need to create new content there. So, yeah. I it's mean, all, yeah, and, and there is there are uh, things when you try to be all things to all people, you're going to lose people, right? I mean, that's just the way – yeah, that's that's just the way it works, and I think that I think that that's what's going on. But realistically, I mean, I think Randy Orton versus AJ Styles has people excited. And if you just put that match on paper, you've got Randy Orton, who is consistent, but you know, consistent is probably you know He's a three star specialist, right? And then you've yeah. got AJ Styles, who over the last four months or so. Hasn't really done much, right? And so yep. you're you're saying AJ Styles versus Randy Orton on paper, you could say this is a filler match, but within one promo last week on SmackDown, I'm interested. I'm hooked. Yeah, you know, and oh, I think that, was that great. Uh, last week's that was amazing. That was yeah. one. Of, that's the surprise of the month so far. I yeah, mean, there's been a lot of stuff, but that that was like wow. Yeah, that was so good. So when we talk about uh, the the WWE programming in 18 to 34 and two to 12. Um, there's been an interesting uh, uh, topic of conversation, and that is main roster talent going back to NXT. And this is, I think, main roster talent headed to NXT is just as tricky, if not more tricky, than NXT talent heading to the main roster in the sense that NXT and the main roster are two very different brands. And some people are just going to work better on one than the other, but it's something that people have been uh, talking about a lot lately, especially after uh, a quote that I think Triple H made on a on a conference call a while back, kind of resurfaced and reinvigorated this conversation. Because realistically, you have to imagine that after I would think that Takeover, if Aleister Black and Ricochet are on it, it'll be the last time Aleister Black and Ricochet are on NXT. I think that that it's a safe bet that these two are cemented on the main roster. You just had the call-up before at least those two came up. It was four at first, but those two came up with EC3 and Lacey Evans and 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 all that, that class coming up. I would not be remotely shocked if in two weeks after WrestleMania, another class comes up to the main roster, and who knows who that's going to be. That could be Velveteen Dream. That could be maybe Gargano gets reintroduced. You know, I, I, I think that depending on who wins the NXT championship match between, and I hope, well, well, I might be spoiling this. So if you haven't, if I am spoiling this, then, you know, fast forward on the podcast a little bit. But, I think tonight they're doing the match. Okay, okay. Um, or well, as we're recording this, I think the I think this week's show airs what you're about to talk about but if people you know because people watch nxt and delay then fast forward two minutes yes exactly (laughs) yes but we're looking at at gargano versus adam cole for the vacated nxt championship i would imagine 
that whoever loses that match ends up on the main roster. And if Gargano does, I think he ends up on the main roster and they kind of re-figure out what they're going to do with him in a Ciampa-free world, uh, for the time being at least. And if Adam Cole loses, I wouldn't be... Sh- I would um, Not only would I not be shocked, I would assume that we're going to see the entire Undisputed Era show up on the main roster. Uh, but what you're doing is depleting NXT's talent roster very, very quickly. Uh, so it also wouldn't shock me if this other thing that people have been talking about comes to fruition as well, which is main roster stars heading towards NXT. Is there anybody off the top of your head that if you're looking at an NXT that needs to you know, have a little bit more talent injected into it and instead of going from outside, we're coming from within, from Raw or SmackDown, that's not, and don't no cop-outs, no like saying, well, EC3 should go back. Like, okay, but like not that are recent call-ups. Who would you like to see go from the main roster to NXT if there were people to make that move? I don't care what your rules are. EC3 should go back. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay. Yes, I, I think there's some good possibility. Uh, good possibilities. Uh, along those lines, uh, No Way Jose could maybe try to get a more serious side to him or something like that. But uh, if whatever's going on with Dolph Ziggler, I'd love to see him in NXT in the mix mm-hmm. with, with some of the guys that NXT has or will still have after WrestleMania. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura getting a refresh over there. Uh, is interesting. Aiden English uh, is, it was five years ago this week, Aiden English took on Sheamus on NXT TV. And Sheamus went from the main roster to visit NXT and had a standout match with Aiden English that in in Aiden's had those moments there, you know, guys in locker room root for him. Randy Orton, you know, even said he went out of his way to try to showcase Aiden because he believes in him. Um, So Aiden English is somebody who, He's been written out of the, the Rusev situation. Let him go there, maybe reinvent himself um, it, uh, dramatically or subtly uh, to give himself uh, some a, a little extra oomph there. Um, I'm trying to think. What do you think of the idea? Because this is what was in my head. Oh, is yeah. Because I think that you you have to be careful in the sense that if you're just sending guys to the or guys and girls to NXT that are not working on the main roster. Yeah. You're almost lowering the stock of NXT, which is at an somehow at an all-time high right now. I never thought that it would get higher than it was, but this current crop, this generation of NXT has brought NXT to me to the highest level that it's ever been. I'm as I'm a bigger NXT fan now than I have ever been, and I've been an NXT fan for a long time. But I kind of think that you do need to bring those people to NXT, right? You do need yeah. to bring the people that aren't quite working on the main roster to to restructure and reshape and maybe figure out some new things. But in order to maintain the stock, what if you had guys that are big names on the main roster head down to NXT just for a storyline, almost the way, you know, an attraction would come into a territory, meaning after TakeOver, Kevin Owens shows up on NXT TV. And Kevin Owens is there from the takeover or or from the TV after WrestleMania takeover until the next takeover. And then he's back on the main roster. So you're just seeing these guys who aren't necessarily, who who would be doing stuff on the main roster, but the main roster is okay without them, at least temporarily, show up in NXT for a season. And when I say season, I mean, you know, fall, winter, whatever. Yeah. Um, And just kind of bring the brand, elevate the brand a little bit. 
Maybe put some put a couple guys over. Maybe, you know, leave the NXT universe wondering if if this person is threatening the NXT brand and they're going to come in and take the championship or whatever the storyline may be. And then they head back to the main roster when they're done. I, I'm not against that. I, I like the idea. Uh, it, it, my, my concern is that Vince McMahon would be more hands-on than anybody wants him to be with NXT if suddenly wrestlers who aren't reclamation projects or haven't lost their way in Vince's booking scheme go there, but rather somebody that Vince has big plans for or feels invested in. And then does he get, does he start meddling? Um, I mean, mm. you can see the push pull with even the language used, you know, triple H will talk in the media conference calls. They're not, they're not call-ups, they're call overs or they're, yes. they're trades. Yes. But then, but then on, on WWE TV, they refer to them as NXT, these NXT call-ups, the other, the main roster wrestlers are mad that these people have been called up and are getting opportunities. So there's a push and pull, even in the terminology and how it's framed. Triple H has worked hard going back years to say NXT is a third brand. He had a chance on Raw, when he talked on Raw and introduced the NXT guys, he talked about NXT not as a de developmental brand, but the third international touring brand. Yes. So it, and, and Vince has agreed to keep his, keep away and let Triple H do his thing. And like you say, it's hot, it's successful, it's doing well. I worry if if you know Finn Balor got sent over there or Jeff Hardy that Vince would be like, all right, keep me up to date, and he'd start meddling. So I, it shouldn't. It, you could just say, well, if Vince doesn't meddle, then yeah, I'm for it. Is it realistic? He wouldn't. I'm not sure, but that's a concern to me. Uh, but I like the. I mean, I like the idea, but at the same time, I don't want to pollute the waters of NXT being a place that doesn't have the preconceived notions of somebody. Who it you get to work with a blob of clay and turn them from the indie scene or from the ground up a recruit, and you just get to see what they can be against other people who are just trying to figure out who they are and what they can be. And when you throw Kevin Owens in the mix, I I I've concerned that that he would either be too big for the moment or protecting him and building him would come at the expense of say a Velveteen Dream becoming what he has become and blossoming into what he's become. So I have mixed feelings on it. I like it in concept, but I it, and I would actually trust NXT to handle it well, but but I would nevertheless have some concerns going into it. I actually think that it could be if done properly a good exercise in getting guys ready to be on the main roster because I think that there is still something going on. I think Ricochet and Alistair Black have both transferred over to the main roster with amazing aptitude. You know, I think yes. they fit right in immediately. There's two, uh, when they're on Raw, I feel like they're two of the biggest stars on the show. You know, I, I love both of them and I love both of them on Raw, but that certainly hasn't been the case, I would say, for most people. You know, I think that if you had the opportunity, let's say, let's say Samoa Joe loses the United States title. And surprise shocks the world by showing up and choking out Matt Riddle and saying, yeah. I, I lost the United States championship, but I need the North American title. Samoa Joe is a guy who, because he's so good, I don't think he's lost credibility, but loses almost every match. Mm -hmm. You know, realistically, he yeah. loses more matches than he wins. And I think that's because they're, you when you have somebody who's so good, you can lose that often. It's something you kind of got to take advantage of. I think that if Samoa Joe were to go to NXT and rack up some wins against people but ultimately lose to Matt Riddle only to show up on Raw 
instead of SmackDown. And when he shows up on Raw, they don't go, oh, here's what Samoa Joe's been doing in NXT. They almost act like he's returning from an injury. Samoa Joe's just been gone. We're keeping NXT as this separate world for you hardcores on the WWE Network. But when these guys come back and show up on Raw or SmackDown or whatever, it's just like they've been gone for three months and now they're back ready to to tear somebody apart. I think that if it were done that way, I'm super interested in it and it would make it so that NXT and, and callovers, we'll say, from the main roster over to mm-hmm. NXT don't become an island of misfit toys. They more become a thing where it's like, okay, yeah, No Way Jose is trying to figure things out, but also... Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, choking people out. Maybe Sami Zayn, instead of yeah. returning to Raw or SmackDown, returns to NXT, you know, and and does an NXT tour that lasts takeover to takeover or lasts two takeovers. You never know exactly how long it's going to last, um, only to ultimately put somebody over and then show up on Raw or SmackDown. I think, too, yeah, just the logistics of how do you deal with wrestler pay? Um, if guys are used That's to working— true the big pay-per-views and the house shows and getting their, their, you know, they meet their downside, they've exceeded their downside, and now they want to pile on top of that. Uh, do you, how do you adjust the pay structure? Because guys in NXT, it, it, just the the inertia of the system is, yeah, you've got this flat fee, we bust you to the events, it's kind of like college, and then we get to the main roster, that's where you book your own rental cars, and you're a pro, and you're a grown-up, and you get to stay at whatever hotel you want, show up, you know, within certain parameters when you want to different places. But you'll get paid a lot more too. With that comes this other. So they're just they're set up differently from an excuse. So does Joe get on the bus again and get the same pay scale that Adam Cole has, or what? So mm-hmm. that that I'm not sure of. Yeah, and luckily that's over my head. I just talk about the wrestling <laughs> part. I don't know anything yeah. about these numbers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, uh, of course, Wade Keller, everybody can uh, hear your take on everything that goes on in, in this world of wrestling over on the PW Torch. Um, I mean, the content, just a massive amount of content available, and it's not just uh, new stuff. There's, I feel like you're pushing out new content every day, but at the same time, people have access to all your archives as well. Uh, how do they get there? Sure. Uh, first of all, go to pwtorch.com to see my reports on Raw and SmackDown. I fill them with analysis along with details of what's happening. So if you're watching the show or or not, you can either be filled in or, or watch it along with me and see my opinions on it every Monday and Tuesday night. Same thing for WWE pay-per-views. Um, we have a podcast, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. We're live streaming about five minutes after Raw and SmackDown every Monday and Tuesday night. And then I do uh, the flagship and uh, mailbag and interviews later in the week. Just search Wade Keller on your podcast app and uh, subscribe to both the Red Brand and the blue brand. And then finally, we have a VIP membership. That's where the archives you just mentioned, Sam, are. And we've got over 30 years of archives, over 1,500 back issues of the Torch newsletter. You can go back to the late 80s and read my reviews and star ratings on like every SummerSlam, all the WrestleMania's Rumbles, every week in the Monday Night War, um, retro radio shows, call-in shows I hosted on KFAN in the early 90s. So fascinating stuff. You can just lose yourself in uh, different rabbit holes there. You can get sign-up information for that at pwtorchvipinfo.com pwtorchvipinfo.com. It's WrestleMania season, and Sam Roberts listeners, not Sam listeners, can uh, try VIP membership if you haven't uh, taken advantage of our sale in the last year. For $1, just enter SAM35 as the coupon code, SAM35, and we'll give you $9 off our normal uh, our normal monthly rate. And for 1 buck, you can 
be around for WrestleMania. So uh, check it out. We'd love to have you uh, kick the tires and see what it's like WrestleMania season as a VIP member. That's amazing. A dollar. Sam35 is the code. And I love – one of my favorite things is going through old newsletters uh, because when I was growing up, you know, it was in the – in my, my heyday, like when I'm a kid, it's the late 80s into the 90s and the new generation right? I'm, you know, 10 years old, 11 years old. And it, that's when the new generation was happening. And then the beginning of the attitude era and all that stuff that was pre-internet. I love digging through old newsletters on because I never, I was a kid. I never, I didn't know enough to subscribe to snail mail newsletters. And there certainly weren't websites that, I mean, there was no internet. So all the backstage news and behind the scenes gossip that we kind of take for granted as wrestling fans today wasn't available to people unless they knew to subscribe to these newsletters. So to go through and pick like, you know, if I'm thinking about WrestleMania 9, for example, and I go, all I know about WrestleMania 9 is what was in the after magazines and what was on WWE TV. So to go back and find these old PW Torch newsletters and look through what was going on around WrestleMania 9 or WrestleMania 10 or whatever it was and go, wow, like imagine having this and you, you end up with all these anecdotes that you were never aware of. It's just, it's a... It's a fun thing to do. It's a, it's a fun perspective to put it in. So I recommend that everybody uh, have fun going through those archives. And, and it's not just me, too. I mean, Bruce Mitchell, senior columnist since 1990, it knows more about wrestling than anybody, um, or he's in that top tier with a, with a small handful, both historically and current events. And Todd Martin is a remarkable analyst, and I spent two to three hours a week with him talking WWE, New Japan, AEW, ROH, and MMA, too, and the business side of things. Um, I learn so much from them every week, and you will too if you're a VIP member. There's there's this this other whole zone of wrestling analysis in the podcast world uh, on the VIP side of things that that I once people experience it, some people are, just go, "This is what I've been waiting for to add to my portfolio of, of podcasts. I, this is a priority." So for a buck, see if you're one of those people. Well, wait. It's the season to devour wrestling content. It's <laughs> WrestleMania season, so I'm glad that you're uh, providing so much of it. And uh, thanks for doing the show, man. It's always a blast. Hey. Then there's Superstar Shakeup, and then AEW, and then we're in SummerSlam season. It's crazy. It it's never stops. It's amazing. It's amazing. And Sam, it's always a great pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much, man. You bet. Here is Sam Roberts. Oh, it's awesome. Thank you very much, Wade Keller. It's so much fun talking wrestling with that dude. Uh, I'm going into WrestleMania optimistic, obviously. I think it's going to be a hell of a show, and uh, I, I think that over the course of the next two weeks, we're gonna uh, there's going to be even more excitement. I'm just I'm enjoying the build. Some people aren't. I am. Most people are. I mean, you know, there's always going to be people who complain about just about anything. Hey, uh, I'll tell you, nobody's complaining uh, about the Patreon page, patreon.com slash wrestling. And I wanted to give a shout out to Hall of Fame level patron Chut. He's got a picture of his dog on his profile. Hall of Fame level patron Chut, C-H-U-T. I appreciate the support that you give the podcast. You don't know how much it means. And, uh... You will have a Not Sam Chalkline jacket coming your way uh, before too long, as all Hall of Fame-level patrons will. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and I appreciate uh, everything that you guys do. Um, yeah, man, so thank you again to Wade Keller for being a part of the show. Uh, I'm really uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Beth Phoenix, we didn't really get into it, but I'm looking forward to seeing what Beth Phoenix does. It would appear, I would imagine, that there's going to be a multi-team tag match for the women's tag championship at WrestleMania. I wouldn't be surprised if it was maybe uh, four corners where you had uh, Sasha and Bailey versus 
Natty and Beth Phoenix versus Tamina and, and Nia Jax. Probably versus Iconics at this point, with the Iconics getting the win on SmackDown, unless they're going to try to do a title defense uh, on SmackDown again. I don't know for sure. It remains to be seen, but we will figure it out when it happens. I want to thank all you guys for being a part of Not Sam Wrestling again this week. I promise you, we will be back at the very same time next week, and I can't wait for it. Thank you. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. <laughs>